This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is September 7th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were associated with Hofstra Radio. My name is Owen Krauss, and I was associated with the radio station from 1969 to approximately 1992, I believe. Okay. Um, so you have a very special relationship with the radio station. Do you, would you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Well, Jeff Krauss was my father, so I was kind of the station mascot. <laughs> and your parents met at the radio station, is that right? Yes. Do you recall, it doesn't have to be a specific time, or do you remember uh, going down to the radio station uh, as a, a young kid? Do you have any, any memories of uh, either the offices or the studios? Do you remember uh, what well, it was like to go to the station? Yes, actually. Originally, when I first started going there, they were in the basement of the Little Theater. And it was this this steep set of concrete stairs that went down into it. Um, and the irony is, I remember it always smelled like pee. It was oh. sort of one of the one of the odd memories stuck to it because I think somebody was peeing in the drain at the top of the stairs or something like that at the time. But I wasn't really associated with it. But aside from that, I remember we always walking into the station and seeing the teletype machine just banging away. Mm. Uh, was that right near the entrance or was that in a particular yes. place? Yes. In other words, you came in the entrance and you took a left turn and probably six feet from the door was the teletype machine. Okay. Okay. Um, what else do you remember from uh, the when the, the station when it was under the little theater? I've, I've had a number of uh, very graphic or, or detailed descriptions of, of the station. What do you remember it being like? It was very, it was very small. I mean, the place was very crowded. Everything was crammed into a very small space. Um, it smelled like a basement. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, as basically it is what it was. You know, but uh, most of what I remember is I remember walls lined with records and walls lined with with reel to reel audio tapes. Mm. Just everywhere you looked, there was just recorded recorded material. Wow, that sounds uh, that sounds great. Um, most people, or at least most people that I'm aware of, that when their parents bring them to work, the first thing they say is, "Don't touch anything," or "Don't get in trouble," or "Don't break anything." Um, do you remember your dad saying anything or giving you any instructions about being at the station? No, I was pretty good about it. I already knew that he would kill me if I touched anything, so I didn't touch anything. That's 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 a fair warning. I understand. Um, <laughs> So, so you're a young kid, and and I'm sure you you were coming down there, you know, as 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 a young kid, even if just for a brief spell. Do you remember any instances where you were spending, uh, you know, a fair amount of time, where you're kind of whiling away the hours? Do you remember anybody that you were hanging out with, any of the students or any of the the professionals uh, over there? I'm trying to remember some of those names, but it's like it was uh, Tom Curley was there, Mark Wiener was there, Kit Grunstein, Frank Grunstein, um, Chris Zizzo, um, Sue Zizza. Um, God, there were so many. I mean, over the years, there were so many different people. Those are some big names. Those are some important names in the history of Hofstra Radio. So, uh, so clearly, you were, you were spending time with some good people there. Yeah. 
You know, I I was there. I was there for the, you know, relative beginnings of the radio station. So it's like, uh, you know, the only thing I, I wasn't there for when it was WHCH, but I came along shortly thereafter. Right, right. So um, I, I remember that, that for a stretch of time, the, the station itself was in the basement of the little theater, but then there were offices sort of across campus in Memorial Hall. Do you have any memories of that? That is correct. They were the offices in Memorial Hall. I do remember them well. It was actually one big open room. It wasn't yeah. separate individual offices. It was one big office. You know, and I remember I remember it had the, the it had a dark linoleum floor, big old steel desks. My father was over in the over in the left hand corner of the room was where his desk sat. Okay. And and I, I seem to remember go, go ahead. Oh, I still have in my possession something that sat on his desk in that office, which was a pipe humidor um that sat on that desk. Um, but he didn't use it as a humidor, he used it to stash pennies. And I actually still have that humidor full of pennies. Oh, wow. I've never heard that detail before. That's, that's really neat. Um, that is one of the things that, you know, given the, the passage of time, it used, people used to smoke in workplaces. And obviously now that, that's not a thing anymore. But um, I, I, I have a distinct memory of, of your dad smoking a pipe, and a number of people have mentioned it. Um, yes, he, so yes was, he did. Yes, he did. He, he smoked his pipe while sitting at his desk. Hmm. He was pretty good about not smoking in the studios. I don't remember him smoking in the studios, but at his desk, uh, yes, absolutely. Hmm. Um, do you remember any interactions between your dad and, and students going on? Do you remember uh, him working on particular projects or was it just sort of you were there doing your own thing and he was doing his work? Yeah, it was more along the lines I was kind of there doing my own thing. And I was I was an accessory. I was aware of what was going on. But there were so many different people and there were so many different things going on. Because remember, I was there over an extended period of time, a lot longer than most people were. Most people were there for four years. I was there for my entire childhood. You know, so as a result, I have I have. So I remember a lot of people and a lot of interactions, a lot of projects. Most of the members, when they would get a new piece of equipment, how excited my father would get over this new piece of equipment. But, um, you know, I knew how to edit audio tape by the time I was, before I was 10. Um, I could solder microphone cables by the time I was seven. You know, that's, wow. that's, that's kind of my world part of that. I was on the whole... Tech side, I was grading papers when I was 11, 12 years old. My father would give me the key and I'd be grading his students' papers. Uh, that's kind of neat. Did he show you how to do those things in particular or were there other people who showed you how to do stuff? Well, different people showed me different things. I can tell you, for example, Tom Curley taught me how to tie my shoes. Oh, neat. Yeah. You know, um, Mark, Mark Wiener taught me how to cook a bunch of different things. Because he was always around. Okay. So, um, the uh, with the soldering, you said you learned how to do that when you were seven. Yeah, it was like by the time I by the time I was seven, I could solder a microphone cable together. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, I, I again from other from stories from other people, I know that it was often a struggle 
to get new equipment, to keep the place running, to keep it funded, to keep uh, the lights on. Um, oh, yeah. At the time, there wasn't a ton of support um, from uh, the university, but clearly your dad was able to get things done. And you mentioned how excited he would get Teddy, about Teddy when Ma new equipment came in. Teddy Ronnenberger. Mm. Teddy Ronnenberger was responsible for repairing a lot of the equipment in that station. I mean, he would take things apart and he would restore them to working order, all of the cart machines, um, the mixing boards, I mean, the turntables. But I do remember when they got new turntables, my father was very excited because they were these direct drive turntables that they could control the pitch on and everything. Uh, I remember the harmonizer. When you get the harmonizer where you can modify your voice to sound like anything you wanted it to and, you know, things like that. Those things like that stick out in my memory. Those are great memories. That's uh, that definitely shines a, a, a new light um, for some of us on on your dad, because he, he you know, for many students, he came off as, as somewhat uh, stern and, and serious minded. And here you are, you know, basically describing him getting excited and looking forward to these things and finding solutions. And that's, that's such a nice insight, uh, into how, uh, he had to, you know, get the job done. And, uh, I, that's, that's really neat. When it came to the toys of the business, my father was a big kid. He loved, he loved the gadgetry. Did you inherit any of that interest in the gadgets? I'd say that's an understatement. Okay. Can you elaborate? Yes. Well, put it this way. As I'm sitting here talking to you on my iMac, I'm surrounded by a reel-to-reel, -reel, multiple CD players, two turntables, two receivers, um, a cassette machine with eight track built into it. Um, and I've got, I think, at least, I think, 14 speakers in this room. Well... Point taken. Um, do you remember a lot of equipment and stuff being around the house as well, or was it, or was it sort of separate worlds? Oh no, we had a full fledged recording studio in the basement of the house. They uh, they ran a business out of there called Inter Audio Associates. And could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, that, yeah, that was right in the basement of the house. We had a full a full fledged you know sound room, soundproof room. You know, a, a, a control room. And in fact, actually, I even know where some of the equipment that used to be in that room still is. It's still in existence. Wow. You know, but Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Tom Curley actually has a truck. At, at this point, unfortunately, it's non-functional because it hasn't been used in, you know, 30 some odd years. You right, know, but, well, maybe 20 years. But just the fact that that stuff is still around and someone who obviously was involved in it, uh, that they still have it. That's really neat. Yep. And he has, you know, for example, all the Fulton Follies tapes. Mm -hmm. You know, Fulton Follies was a big deal. If you look it up in the early times at a radio station, Fulton Follies was, you know, again, it was a big, a big thing they did. And Tom has, you know, all of, all of it on, you know, 10, 10 inch reels. You know, two-track professional audio. I can't even play it because I can't get the equipment to play it. Mm. Um, Tom, when I talked to him, he mentioned that one of his inspirations or one of his motivations for doing shows like uh, Fulton's Folly was to make your dad laugh, was to entertain him. 
Yes, getting my father to laugh was actually sometimes a bit of a project. But I was his son, and I could usually make him laugh. Oh, that's neat. But but definitely... I, think, I, think I had an unfair advantage. But it wasn't an easy laugh. You had to think about it. You had to plan for it. That's interesting. Well, to this day, I'm still like that. I can I work with the general public. I run a service station, um, and I work with the general public. And, you know, one of my favorite pastimes, actually, is I get somebody in front of me who's really ornery and unpleasant, and I will do everything I can to make them laugh. And once I have to make them laugh, I have them eating out of my hand. And that is definitely a skill I inherited from my father. Oh, that's very cool. That's nice. Um I want to go back to some of the technical stuff. I'm sure that the phone would ring at times, perhaps late at night or weekends or places when something was breaking or something wasn't working and someone at the station was calling your dad to say, help, I can't get this to work. Do you have any memories of things like that? Oh, yeah, all the time. It happened all the time. I went with many of my father's forays at 2 o'clock in the morning up to the transmitter room, you know, up at the top of, what the hell was it, in Tower C, I think the transmitter was yes. in? Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I remember many of those. I, I, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of laughing or much sense of humor at those moments. No, no. Usually my father being pretty grouchy and, you know, just dragging me along because I was awake anyway. And he figured it might be useful. I could hand him tools, you know. <laughs> well, another pair of hands is always a good idea. Um, I well, imagine, just, yeah. And no, I was competent. I mean, I was one of those kids, though. I mean, he could tell me to hand him a tool, and I knew what he was talking about. So you were paying attention. Yeah, no, I, I, I knew my stuff. That's impressive. Um, another thing that people have said is that uh, at various times, uh, Jeff was always listening, whether he was in the office, in the car, at the house. He always had the radio station on. And folks were always worried about the, the phone signal going off and getting the call. Um, was it true that he was always listening? Did you have a sense that he was, he was always, you know, at least one ear uh, tuned into the station? Yep. Absolutely. 100%. He was always had the station on. Always. So even late at night or weekends, he was, he was paying attention. Well, mostly is when we were in the car. Okay. But even at home, he would turn on the radio and listen to it as well. But mostly it was when he was in the car. Okay. Um, do you have any memories of him just sort of reaching over and picking up the phone and saying, you know, what was that or don't do that again? Oh, there were many a times where he turned around and said, we got to go home. I got to make a phone call. In the days before the cell phone, that was that was what was necessary. Yeah, right. I was going to say we didn't have cell phones. Yeah, if he needed to call, he needed to go back to the house and use the phone. Yeah, well, it's all part of painting the picture of what it was like for people who were there at the time, and and uh, you know, for you and I, we we remember landlines. We remember having you know to go to a particular place or we're using a payphone. But for a lot of people who might be listening to this, that's that's sort of a, an extra step you wouldn't have to expect. But that was that was part of his job. I imagine he saw that as his responsibility. Yeah, but my father would have taken to cell phones like a fish to water. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that's true. That for that that uh, constant contact, and now you know you can listen to things on your phone, on your computer. They're streaming. I imagine he would have enjoyed that 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 
technology, like you said, he was so into it. Uh, he probably would have been, in, enjoyed the development of the way radio has gone. Well, maybe. I mean, I have to admit that when it came to technology, such as computers and things like that, my father wasn't really into it. He was into the audio equipment. I mean, the reel-to-reels and the harmonizers and the, the mixing boards and the four tracks and the eight tracks and, you know, the however many tracks. But when computers came around, I got really into it. He didn't express a great deal of interest in it. It was just not his thing. You know, he still used a typewriter. He used a typewriter right up to the day he died. Yeah. So in the early '90s, when I was at the radio station as well, it was typewriters. I had a I had a word processor that I had bought for my classes, but it had I don't know 64k of RAM or something like that. It was it, it had no memory. Uh, it just had had some amount. I mean, that was that was the technology of the time. Um, and unfortunately, he didn't uh, get to see the way technology changed. But I wonder, I wonder how he would have embraced or, or pushed away from the way things were going. Yeah, you know, I got to be honest with you, it's hard to tell. Yeah. You know, if he's, if he's anything like his sister, no, I don't think he would have gotten all that into the technology. Mm. But I think he, he would have resisted it. And, and on, on another hand, um, he had made a lot of plans for the development of the new station, which uh, debuted in uh, 1994, that the upgrading of equipment, the new boards and new microphones and things like that. So he did have a vision. He did have a sense of where things were going, I think. Absolutely. As I said, he loved the technology. But I said when it came to computers, mm. particularly, he just didn't, it wasn't, it, they weren't his thing. Mm. Understood. Um, did you ever go on the air when you were a kid? Did anybody ever put you behind a microphone? Yes. They used me for several commercials that they made over the years. And they did promos and stuff like that for the radio station that they used me for. So, yes, I was on the air a bunch of times over the years. Do you remember any of the particular promos or PSAs? I remember the milk commercial. That was for Interaudio Associates, but... It was all the same people. It was like Kit, 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 Kit with my mother, um, you know. And Tom Curley was doing the recording, um, and we did it at the house where I lived. Right. But it was a commercial for milk. Was that fun, or was that just something that you had to do? No, it was cool. I had a good time with it. Okay. Um, so there was a period of time where you weren't living in the United States, that you were living um, in Israel, and you came back. Um, can you talk about some of the changes that you came back to or what it was like coming back a little bit older to the station and spending time with your dad? Well, I mean, it's like they had, the you know, the, you know obviously they had all the new digs and, you know, all the new stations were up and running and they had all this new equipment and Stuff like that. And also, you know, our interpersonal lives changed at that point as well. So I didn't really spend nearly as much time down at the radio station as I used to. So how old were you when you came back to the States? Um, not quite 14. Okay. Yeah, so that's a different time uh, between a father and son. Certainly, uh, they're... they're in every relationship there, there developed some friction and some distance. And that's just the natural part of things. But you, you came back and 
everything at that point would have been in Memorial Hall in the basement. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, and again, the new equipment, and I, I guess at some point there would have been the, the there was a four track board uh, production studio, and then there would have been a multi track, a track. Do you yep. remember anything about yep. that stuff? I remember the Polk monitors that they were all very proud of. Yeah, they had they had Polk audio monitors in the studios, and I remember my father being very proud of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the technology and just just being able to piece things together, I'm sure that made him very proud. Absolutely, he got he got said he got a kick out of it. He liked having new toys. Um, did you ever want to have a career in broadcasting? No. I can say with absolute surety that I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, and I took a completely different direction. I went into computers, and now, oddly enough, I run a garage, go figure. But fate has a way of making things happen, I suppose. But no, I didn't want anything to do with broadcasting. I was too familiar with it and didn't want anything to do with it. You certainly picked up a number uh, of skills. Like you said, you, you got comfortable with technology. You got comfortable working with, with, with people. Uh, do, are there any particular fond memories or things that you learned in you know interacting with the radio station and, and your dad that, that have really stuck with you? Hmm. That's a good one. Probably learning how to speak properly. I'd say, if anything, that's what one of the main things I got out of it, because I had to, you know, if I spoke any of the street slang or anything like that, my father would correct me instantly. You know, so it was like, that's probably the biggest thing I carried away from it was how to speak. Hmm. Um, obviously, your your voice is, is different. It's your own, certainly. But I, I have to say, as I'm listening through my headphones and paying attention there are moments where I catch little glimpses and little things where I go, oh, yeah, that's, that sounds like him. That's a, that's, that's a pretty neat thing. And maybe I'm projecting that, but uh, I, I, I certainly feel like I feel that. I, uh, others might feel that as well. So that's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a proud thing. That's an important thing to take away. That's, uh, oh, it's okay. Thing. If you could see me, you would see the similarities too. I mean, <laughs> as I've aged, I definitely look more like my father. It, it happens to all of us. I turn around every once in a while and I think, well, geez, who's that old guy? But, you know, um, these things happen. Um, oh, and this is this has been really phenomenal. I'm, I'm so pleased that you were willing to, to share some stories uh, and, and take some time to talk about the radio station and your dad. Is there anything else that you want to share or, or talk about your memories of the station? Just that, you know, when my dad was there, it was, in my opinion, it was a great place. It was interesting. The students all seemed to be really enjoying themselves, and he was very popular. You know, so, you know, I carry away fond memories from the radio station as a kid. It was certainly a unique experience. I don't think many people could uh, say that they had that experience and got to, to work with such interesting people and, and, and to be around such a creative environment. I, I'm sure it was a, it left a lasting impression. Oh yeah. And, and I'm sure if I sat here and thought about it, I could probably come up with, you know, a dozen or more names of just people that I knew over the years from the radio station. I mean, I don't know. I think he was, I think it might've been one of the listeners, Carl Buckner. He was an interesting fella. 
Carl Bucking, yeah. Yeah, I just talked to Carl him very Bucking. yeah, not not too long ago. Yep, Carl was Carl was an interesting guy. Yeah, there there were certainly uh, very many interesting people, and, and a lot of people gave uh, a lot of credit to your dad and and to the station for uh, widening their horizons and and really uh, giving them a lot of skills and, and and experiences they wouldn't have had otherwise. Well, some of the people from the early years of the radio station will probably remember babysitting me. Do Do you recall anybody who who was? Oh in- yeah. Oh yeah, Kit Grunstein, for example, she babysitted for me all the time. You know, Mark Wiener, Tom Curley, they all babysitted for me. So, and and that's how you became the station mascot. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Owen, this is this is great stuff. Thank thank you so much. Um, if there's other stuff that you want to share with us, I'd I'd, I'd love to hear it. But this is this is really. Uh, uh, just a wonderful look at, at, at part of the life of Jeff Krause, who, who really uh, affected so many of us. And, uh, and I really, really am so grateful that you were willing to share this stuff. Okay. Well, Hey, anytime. Glad to, glad to lend. <laughs>